and I didn't put it there. I'm sure I didn't. One day we will have an event where Dale puts the microphone on and it works first time. Let's pray. Lord, as we've remembered tonight and been reminded of the great things that you have done, Lord, I just pray that you would speak through me this evening, that we would be again reminded of the the great things that you have done. And Lord, that we would be able to examine ourselves and and how we forget to be reminded of those great things. Lord, I just pray that your blessing over this um, sermon tonight and that you would teach and speak to each one of us tonight. pray these things in your name. Amen. Oh no! Stop! Turn around! Go back! I've forgotten my teddy or I've forgotten my blanket or I've forgotten my etc, etc. This is the way one of my children used to respond some nights. If we'd been out to a friend's place and, and she'd left something behind, she would just absolutely lose it and be inconsolable in terms of, it's okay, doesn't matter. We can pick it up next time we go around there or we can get it off them when we see them at church next Sunday. It wouldn't matter what you said. They would be absolutely inconsolable. Not they in plural, just one child. And it's kind of the response that we have this evening to Jesus' words. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees. It's kind of the way, not, not in the same sort of detail, but it's kind of the way the disciples respond to Jesus' words. And they start discussing with themselves about forgetting bread. Oh no, we've forgotten bread. Jesus is going to be so upset with us. And yeah, he does get upset with them. And he says, oh, come on guys, I'm not even talking about bread. Seriously. Have you not yet understood what I'm talking about? And he goes on to remind them of the, the great things, two events, of, of when they packed up after the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. Now there's, there's two events of feeding multitudes. We've only covered one in our series going through Mark and Chris did such a good job we didn't have to cover the second one. But Jesus says that he's not even talking about bread. He's talking about the teaching and the influence of the Pharisees and of Herod. He says that explicitly. He says, watch out. Beware of the leaven of Pharisees and of Herod. He doesn't explicitly say this directly in in Mark's gospel, But Matthew's Gospel in chapter 16 is our parallel story where where he explicitly defines what he's talking about. And it follows the same sort of structure as what Mark goes through. I'm going to read it to you. Mark chapter 16, verses 5 to 12. When the disciples reached the the other side, they had forgotten to bring bread. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. 
And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We bought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not yet, do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand? And how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand, and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Quite often we can read a passage and and go, oh, far out, these disciples, they're so stupid. They don't understand, they don't get it, nine times out of ten. And yet, when we look at ourselves and examine ourselves, we can be guilty of misinterpreting Jesus, or, or just plainly misunderstanding him. Sometimes it's easy to read through a passage and and just miss the point of the passage, either slightly or totally. Sometimes we let our circumstances interpret the passage for us. And Jesus straightens out his disciples here tonight and he says, Come on guys, I'm not talking about bread, but I'm talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. What does he mean by leaven? What is leaven? What the heck is leaven? You've heard in the Bible, unleavened bread. And Jesus is talking about leavened bread, or leaven. Leaven is basically the same as yeast. Yeast is a a bacteria, or it's technically a fungi. You're not going to eat bread after tonight. It's a fungi that, that sort of works its way through a piece of dough, and it makes a chemical reaction within the dough releases essentially little bubbles of air and um, let's call them fungi fluffs and they make it all light and fluffy. They make the bread all light and fluffy and it gradually works its way through the dough. Leaven is very similar but leaven is a piece of, of yeasted bread that is cut off and saved for the next day. And it is then used the next day to make yeasty leavened bread. The reason Jesus uses this phrase is because yeast and leaven work their way through the dough. They work their way subtly through the dough. You don't see the the leaven working its way through the dough. It just happens. And it subtly changes the piece of dough until it's all completely leavened. All completely light and fluffy. Not light and fluffy in terms of our, you know, beautiful bread that we get from the bakery nowadays, but, but it's, it's risen. It's changed. And it's the same with the thoughts of the Pharisees and of Herod that Jesus is referring to tonight. Firstly, the Pharisees were our religious elite of the day. They were 
the top of the rung of the ladder of the religious people in the church, in the synagogues. And they knew their scriptures inside and out. They held fast to the traditions that they'd put down throughout the ages and, and they were the people that, that were going to be you know, seated at the best spot in the banquet when the kingdom of God came. But when we look at the way Mark presents the Pharisees in his gospel, we see that all they do is argue and complain. All they do is come to test Jesus. They, they place a huge emphasis on the traditions that, that they had and they place themselves in a higher position than, than normal people, than lay people. They hu- place huge amounts of pressure on people to adhere to, to God's law, the Ten Commandments, but also all the traditions that, that are placed, that they've placed down throughout the ages. And they almost make it impossible for anyone to think that they could be good enough for God. They would stare down their noses at people in the marketplaces. They'd be like, look at all these sinners. They're not going to get into the kingdom of God. They're not as holy as I am. And as I said, in our passage last week that, that Pastor Greg brought us, they come to Jesus and seek a sign from him. They were only willing to follow Jesus if he proved to them who he was. They were only willing to follow Jesus if he would make himself um, look great in front of them. And perhaps even if he did do a sign in front of them, they would have only complained about what he had done. You know that, that Jesus did a lot of things on the Sabbath and um, all the all the Pharisees did was, was complain. These were good things, good healing things that, that people's lives were changed and, and the Pharisees could see nothing but Jesus has broken the Sabbath. The other guys that Jesus refers to are Herod. You might think that Herod was one just, just one guy, but it's not. It's a series of guys in Matthew chapter 2, we see the, the Herod that wanted to kill Jesus. Um, the wise men come to Herod and they say, where is this saviour of the world? And Herod wants to kill Jesus because he didn't want to lose out on his position. This very Herod kills all the babies within the area of, of um, Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And, and then later on, he ends up dying. He, um, he died, and, and Jesus and his family were able to come back into Israel from, from Egypt. And his son takes the, let's call it a throne, a seat of governance, and he is also called Herod. But then later on, down towards Jesus' crucifixion, he goes again to a Herod. I'm not sure if it's the same one, but um, it's a Herod. So there's not just one guy called Herod. Like I said, they were a succession of men, almost like a position 
of, of governance, like um, our Prime Minister or our, our Premier. Um, they were probably changed around just as much as, as our Prime Ministers are at the moment. But they were Jewish guys. They held this position of power and they were sort of like the middleman between the Romans and the Jewish people. And because of their position of power and their, their money that they got from the Romans, they used to love to douse themselves in all sorts of fine robes and, and um, throw huge parties and show off their great position and, and make themselves look really good. And they still considered themselves as Jews and therefore part of the people of God. They still still thought that they were going to be in God's kingdom. But their love of power and money certainly overshadowed that, that love for God that they had. We all know the passage where Jesus speaks about you cannot serve both God and money. Well, these guys were, were trying to do that exactly. And this is what Jesus is referring to in his passage in our passage tonight. He wasn't talking about bread. He wasn't talking about yeast. He wasn't talking about anything to do with food. He was referring to the teaching of the Pharisees and the love of money of the Herods that can subtly work its way into our lives. In the same way that yeast works through a piece of dough or bread... These sort of things can subtly work our way, work their way into our lives if we're not continually checking ourselves. And they can get in between us and our relationship with God and between us and our relationship with God's people as well. I want to ask you tonight, are you an accidental Pharisee or an accidental Herod? I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. If you are guilty of looking down your nose at younger or newer Christians, you might be an accidental Pharisee. If you place more emphasis on, on doing something because that's, all, that's the way we've always done it, instead of doing something that God asked you to do explicitly through his word or through somebody, then you might be an accidental Pharisee. If you look around you when you're walking down the street and you see people that are bigger sinners than you, instead of having compassion on them because they don't know Jesus, you might be an accidental Pharisee. Or just as Pastor Greg said last week, if you are like the Pharisees and you come to Jesus seeking a sign and you have an infomercial kind of faith you might be an accidental or even a deliberate Pharisee. Or if you're quick to think about how much money you don't have in the bank or how much possessions you don't have, rather than thanking God for the money and the blessings that he has bestowed upon you, you might be an accidental Herod. If you find it really hard to give away money when God asks you to, to those in need 
from the money that God has then blessed you with, you might be an accidental Herod. If your time is spent admiring the lovely possessions that God has given you, rather than admiring the one who gives them to you, you might be an accidental Herod. Or if you love the position of power that you have at your job, instead of loving the one who put you there, you might be an accidental Herod. You see, just like yeast in a dough, these kind of thoughts can subtly work their way into our lives. We can have Pharisaic thoughts without even thinking about it, of looking down at people or or holding to our traditions on the Sunday. They can creep in subtly. And it's the same with the love of money. It can creep in subtly. And Jesus is cautioning his disciples to watch out for these things. He says, watch out. He's saying to watch out for the teaching of the Pharisees and of Herod. But we've got to watch out for the thoughts and the actions of the Pharisees and of Herod, haven't we? It applies just as much to us in our day as it does to the disciples when it was spoken to him, to them. You see, the Pharisees and Herod would spend a lot of time looking at the relationships that they had around them. They would have spend a lot of time looking at the things that they had around them instead of looking up. Their emphasis was horizontal instead of vertical. And we've got to watch out for those sort of things. From some of the the stories that we have shared um, this evening, it doesn't look like any of us are, are accidental or deliberate Pharisees or Herods, are we? I certainly know that in my life there's times when when I've had Pharisaic sort of thoughts. And there's certainly times more prevalent where I've been an accidental Herod, where the love of money can get in the way of, of my relationship with God. But fortunately... Let's have a look at the way Jesus responds to his disciples. They're in the boat again. Three times throughout Mark's gospel they've had episodes of lack of faith where Jesus basically says to them, come on guys, you've, you've slipped up again. We've stepped into a boat and 30 seconds later you're showing signs of lack of faith. They do it again. Maybe they shouldn't go into any more boats. But he says, do you not yet understand? He says it twice to them in our, in our passage, verses 17 and 21. Do you not yet understand? Have I emphasised the not yet part more clearly? This gives me the impression that there's still time for the disciples to be able to respond. 
there's still time for the disciples to understand. If Jesus says not yet, that means that there will be a time in the future where they will understand. And it's the same with us. Even though there might be times where we do not yet understand what Jesus says to us clearly or we show signs of the lack of faith that we should have. If we've been guilty of being an accidental Pharisee or a Herod or even a deliberate one, we have the opportunity to respond. Jesus calls us, each one of us, into a deeper understanding of who he is and what it is that he has done for us. And he invites each one of us to respond. He invites each one of us to yet understand without the not part. You see, the ball is in our court. When it comes to drawing closer to God, it it's, it's in our court. If we want to know God more deeply, we need to draw nearer to him. We need to seek him and he will be found. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You see, Jesus has done the drawing near by coming as a man dying on the cross for our sake. And if we are now seeking after God and his righteousness, we, we won't have the time or the inclination to even just think about the things that the Pharisees and Herods were, were desiring. We'll be so blown away by God's righteousness and his glory that it won't matter how much money we have in the bank or, or what process the um, what order the songs go in on a Sunday morning we'll be so blown away by his his provision just by the way that he provides our every need not just not just in surplus that we won't be seeking after the things of this world I want you to examine yourselves now that whether there's a time when you have been an accidental Pharisee or an accidental Herod. And it's your time to respond right now. It's your time to respond and ask God for forgiveness. Or ask God that he would extend your faith, that he would help you to to not be a lover of money. At the moment, we live in a world where we scroll and swipe and whiz past things in a, at a million miles an hour with, with Facebook and Twitter and the interwebs. And I'd like to challenge you this week to draw near to God. I'd like to challenge you this week that you would seek after God and his righteousness. Even if that means having a a Facebook fast, so to call it, or a computer fast, or a TV fast, or a mobile phone fast. 
Perhaps that's what I need. Then do it. But don't just do it in order to look good, in order to to um, seem more holy than you are. Do these things in order to draw closer to God, to to have a fuller and greater understanding of who he is. You see, God has done everything for us to be able to come back to him in order that we might be his righteousness here on this earth. As I said earlier, he revealed himself in in Jesus. He revealed himself and his love for us by dying on the cross and raising himself back to life. Jesus has done everything in order that you might come to a fuller and greater understanding of him. It's your time to respond. We're going to come around the, around the communion table very shortly. And um, this is a great reminder of the great things that Jesus has done for us. We just sang songs about the great things that God has done for us. We've just read a passage where, where Jesus reminded his disciples of the great things, even though it was just a bit of bread and a bit of fish, the great things that he had done for his disciples and for the people. And now we have a great reminder in the bread and the juice that enables us to be reminded of the things that Jesus has done. I just finish with this this short passage. It says, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty-one says, "For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God." This is what we celebrate in communion. It's not just a piece of bread and it's not just a little bit of juice. It's a reminder of the, the huge sacrifice that Jesus went through. It's a reminder of the blood that he spilt for our sake so that we could be blown away by God's righteousness. So that we could be blown away by God's righteousness and not, we, not be worried about the things of this world. Because he has done great things for us. And just ask that the um, stewards, Robert and David, if you wouldn't mind helping out. Um, we will hand the, the juice and the bread around. And tonight it's um, some unleavened bread. There's plenty here. I just ask if, if you would just tear off a piece... Um, we do have gluten-free bread. And it's a great reminder of, of Jesus' body and his blood that is shed for us.
this bread resembles Jesus' body broken for you. And it was torn in such a way, similar to this bread. And the juice resembles Jesus' blood that was poured out for your sake. And it did pour out. And it washes us clean from our sin. Please drink and eat with me. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that you would forgive us of the times when we forget what you have done for us. I pray that you would forgive us of the times that we are consumed by this world and the things that it offers. Lord, I pray that you would continually remind us of the great love that you had for us in that you gave of yourself in order to redeem us. That it came at such a great cost to the saviour of this world in order to bring us sinners, us as disciples who who quite often misunderstand what you are saying to us. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us of these times and help us to be reminded of the great things that you have done. The great things, not just in our lives, but in the lives of those around us and in the life of the church down throughout the ages. In the life of the the people that that have led us to you and, and have taught us great things. And, Lord, that you would be reminding us continuously of the great things that you have done for our sake. Lord, thank you again for what you have done. Thank you for the, the blood and the body that was broken for us, that poured out for us to wash us clean of our sins and to bring us back into the Holy of Holies to bring us back to God. Lord, thank you for that. I pray these things in your name. Amen.